Hey everybody and welcome to the 12th episode of DCI. I'm your host Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I speak with Doki Tops, who's the CEO of Kaleido, a company in the Netherlands that specializes in cloud gaming, but not the type of cloud gaming that you're thinking of. Uh, anyway, we talk about how the company got started, we talk about um, the different types of games that they have to offer, and the, the technology behind the cloud gaming that they're offering. Uh, it's a really great conversation, and we hope you enjoy it. If you want to find out more about DarkStation, you can do that at darkstation.com. There you can find our news reviews, features, and, of course, the podcast. Uh, if you want to subscribe to us, you can do that on iTunes. We are the DarkCast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. And finally, if you want to send us an email, then you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. And uh, if you want to find out more about Kaleido and the games that they offer, then you can check out the links below in the show notes. And now before we get started, I just want to make a quick note that uh, we did have some Skype issues in this conversation, so I did the best that I could to clean some things up, but unfortunately it's a little messy and some things are a little choppy. Uh, but I hope you still enjoy it. On with the show. on the Darkcast here, Doki. Glad you could make it. Uh, how are you doing today? Uh, doing quite well. Um, I'm still a geek, so I'm uh, considering playing some Magic the Gathering today. Okay. It's a Saturday, and um, watching some Formula One, so that's it. Okay. So it's a good day. Enjoying yeah. my weekend, basically. Good deal. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm a geek, and I still yet to ever play Magic the Gathering. So, well, I... It scares me. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of soul-eating. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like I said, it, it scares me. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I'm just, it, it, it really terrifies me. So I generally stick with just the video game part of games. Yeah. I don't go to the physical ones. There's, a, there's a Magic the Gathering video game on Steam. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there is. <laughs> the crazy thing is my job is working on digital distribution, and I do not play the digital version. I don't care, even. I want to need the fun is the physical people. Give me the cards, damn it. Yeah. I don't want... I want physical stuff. Really yeah. funny. But nice. I there, there, really is, there really is nothing quite like building an actual deck and having it in your hands. Yes. But this is bad for my... for our product, because we're now... <laughs> Going digital and instant, but it, I think it's a different experience. It depends sure. on what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, that that definitely has to be the case. I mean, like like I said, I haven't played it, but I can't imagine playing a video game version of a card game being the same as playing a real physical version of a well, card game. That's since just we're a, here to talk about digital stuff, I I will come yeah. out and say that the digital version of Magic is not bad. Okay. It has a lot of the okay. same addicting qualities, but it, it comes down to also that same kind of, you know, do I want a digital book or do I want an actual book? Mm. Uh, some things work better physically, some things work better digitally. It's kind of a personal taste thing, but there's there's nothing wrong yeah. with either choice. Well, no, I, I, and for I, people I, that are interested, if they have an Xbox Live Gold account, they can currently get 
uh, I think, one of the Magic the Gathering uh, games on Xbox Live for free. Oh, really? Yeah. Right, start that up. I think it was uh, 2013 that's currently available. Not the newest one, but the one before. Because hmm. um, I, I keep track of those, because every now and then, I'm hoping one of these days, they'll make a game free that I don't already own or don't or actually do want. Um, so far, they haven't done a good job of that, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> cool. All right, uh, well, Doki, uh, if you could, if, you know, let's try to, I guess, transition from the yeah. nonsensical talk and actually yeah. get into the interview. Um, if you could tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at uh, Kaleido. Um, I'm Doki Tops. I'm the CEO at Kaleido, one of the co-founders. Um, and what I do is basically, yeah, what does a CEO do? I'm into sales, of course, um, and into strategy. And basically, I see my job as in, you know, creating direction for what we do um, and enabling all our guys, providing the means necessary to make it happen, basically. Okay. To realize our vision. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, that's so, what I think. It's a bit boring, I think, or when you say it, but, yeah, I like it. I mean, we got a bunch of smart programmers, and basically their stuff doesn't get anywhere unless I do a good job. Mm. So, yep. So what was life like for you before Kaleido? What, what kind of stuff were you doing in terms of um, career Kaleido, path, all that kind of stuff? I was um, doing uh, – I was in the total conversion scene, Quake 3, mm. we did some pretty cool stuff, um, I was doing, I started basically fiddling with games very early on, doing lots of game design and game development, not coding wise, but Photoshop, 3D, level design, game design, and I ended up uh, in 2004, when I finished my physics degree, I ended up making a decision, well, I'm either, you know, Physics is cool, but not my thing. I want more versatility, and then basically I made a decision with a group of other people that were thinking about this big Unreal Engine-type thing. Um, say, like, oh, let's go into the gaming business, but this time I'm not going to do it pro bono. It's going to be – I'm going. I want to make a business out of this. I want to make a company and make a living out of this, basically. And then we started living with four guys in the same uh, student home, like a house. Um, and that's where basically the company started. And then early 2005, the vision of instant play console quality games playable from your browser was born. And that has evolved from uh, just a pure vision that... Uh, Players should engage with games easy with the least amount of effort, um, and we should provide technology for developers and publishers that really ensure that they can keep their gamers happy, basically. That's the core of what my passion is. Um, we used to develop games as well before we made a switch. We put it very blunt, uh, making games and making money with games to con- Consumers is a tough thing because you can have, we had games that got very high grades in reviews, like a 9.5, 8.7, like they all got great grades, 
Like you got great grades on high school, but it didn't give you a penny, basically. So then we had to make a decision, and we saw an enormous need and gap in 2009 where we thought, hey, but we already demonstrated that we could um, integrate first-person shooters, etc., in 2007, but no one understood what is the purpose of being able to play such a game in a browser or being able to play such a game really fast. Um, I got really pissed off that nobody understood and thought, what is the value? And right now it's 2013, and now it's getting hot, I think. Um, we're a typical example of a company that was very early adopter, basically. Okay. Um, and we've now been doing this, uh, executing it, basically, so not only talking about it and giving demos, but having it live uh, since um, end 2010 and 2009, 90s, early 2010-ish was the first game. It was a golf game. Sadly, the golf game never became successful, but that's not something we can, you know. That's the tough job that we have. We, we still depend on the success of the game. Um, and then in 2010, we did a first MMO, 3D MMORPG on Facebook. Um, and that one went to 2 million monthly players pretty quickly. And it has been live in the U.S. and in Southeast Asia. It's a smaller game. And now we're moving into bigger bigger stuff, basically. That's our main target uh, as a company, to provide, um, you know, to get rid of the 20 clicks and patching and updating and logging in and all that stuff, reducing it to three clicks and play within three minutes. That's basically our bread and butter. Um, and the core difference between us and, for example, Gaikai is that they do pixel streaming, meaning they do they basically run the game on servers, which is insanely expensive and insanely inefficient. Hmm. Um, because most people just have a good enough PC to play the game anyways. Um, and you need massive amounts of bandwidth and massive amounts of uh, CPU, GPU power. So uh, in their solution, when you have like a World of Tanks, which has um, maybe one million concurrent users, you need this uh, uh, central power unit that is going to render that game one million times and then create video streams and pushes that to the end user. Um, and I think part of the reason that Part of cloud gaming is not yet there is because it's uh, it's just a massive load on the network uh, that it cannot handle. Um, and our way of doing it is it's a bit more like um, how do you call it Dropbox? You know, you have your you have a virtual hard drive. We virtualize um, all the file the file system in the cloud basically. So when you play the game, you just download a small piece. And then you download the rest as you need it. And if you do it well, then you can have, for example, an 8 gigabyte game and you start playing it after only downloading 100 megabytes. Um, so that's what we do. Um, and the, the nifty part of what we do is that it sounds easy because, you know, you take a game, you chop it into pieces, and then it simply runs. Um, the... Very difficult part in this, and it's a bit of the same with uh, other cloud gaming, is that we're 
technology that's not supposed to be there. So you have a game, and as you guys know, games, they want all the resources of your system, and they can be very heavy. So we need to do all our stuff and be so thin. I always call it like a thin pancake wrapped around a, a game, basically, and it's almost an invisible thing. We're, we're, we're supposed to do a lot of stuff that's happening in the background and make it happen. And, uh, yeah, that's why um, I think the core reason why not every game is running like this yet is because there's just lots of details that you need to take care of before this stuff performs well. And I think as a company we've done really well in achieving that. So how many how many cooks do you have in the, the kitchen for this thing? How many developers? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, developers. How many people do you have on your side? How many? What uh? What yeah. kind of staff are you looking at at Kalito? Yeah, we're between fifteen and twenty. So we're a small company. Uh, lean and mean, uh, <laughs> and uh, basically highly focused. We have a couple of people in Asia. Our development team is in Holland. I don't know if you know that we're from Holland. We're a Dutch company. We're based out of Eindhoven. Uh, okay. So not Amsterdam. Everybody thinks that everybody in Holland comes from Amsterdam. That's, that's not the only city there? That's <laughs> yeah. No, no, seriously. There's more. There's more to Holland than there is. Actually, the, the biggest ship making or chip uh, machine factory or company in the world is based in my city. So basically everybody who owns an electronic device has something from that company. It's called ASML. Basically Intel uses their machines to make their chips and Samsung and all those big guys. Wow. So that's pretty funny. So we're also a Silicon Valley in that sense. That's There's a lot of silicon I had, I had no idea. That's uh, industry around us. We're only one of a few gaming companies around the country. Yep. Well, hey, it's Saturday. It's good to learn stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> Always learning. Always learning. <laughs> I, I'm putting Eindhoven here because, you know, we're, we're, we're the southern guys. We're this, this small blip from Holland, and you guys go like, this is 15 million people. You have a southern part? Yes, we have. <laughs> yep. That's fantastic. Yeah, coming from a city like I, I used to live in Miami, and that's that's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what what we're doing, so. yeah. So for you, what from you going from north to south is like a six, seven hour flight. Yeah. For us, it's like a five hour car drive. <laughs> that's a. It's five hours still. So that's it. Yeah, that's a bit of our history, what we do, um, a bit of why we do what we do. Um, yeah, and what we're actually trying to achieve as a company is because we're a small Dutch company is get more attention in the U.S. basically and um, get more, more big games on board on our technology, of course, um, and basically make the life of gamers easier because I've been talking to some other journalists that do live podcasts and basically what you could do with uh, our technology is if you have a live podcast of your a game that just went live this 12 gigabyte or 20 gigabyte MMO then actually while you are telling them about it and telling people like hey you should play this game 
during your show, they're actually playing your game and can be able to give you feedback on it. Hmm. And one of the most cool stuff that came out of our technology, if I'm honest, unexpectedly, because when we first launched an MMO, uh, we didn't know, but it went live in the Philippines. You know where the Philippines is? Yes. 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 Well, you know, that's... <laughs> I was like, how is this ever... How is our technology ever going to work on that infrastructure? And apparently, we did a good job because it worked. Um, but the, the most awesome stuff is that we, out of nowhere, started to get... We don't have that many fans because we're not a big company yet, but uh, we started to get fans from Facebook because these guys basically told me Thanks to you, I can now play this game because for them, playing that MMO was just a no-go area because, you know, waiting for 24 hours to start playing. Uh, so we designed the technology in our, in my world or your world to play a game within, say, in Holland, it's one minute because our internet speed is insane. Um, so we do 10 megabytes, like 120 MBits. Um, don't, and don't rub it on our faces. Yeah. But in the US, you would play the game like in, in, you know, two to three minutes or five minutes. So we thought, you know, our, our range, our target is always to make a game playable within five minutes mm-hmm. um, on, on like a five, four and mid connection. But then these guys, they were so happy. And I was talking to one of them. He said, yeah, and it's so fast. It only took 25 minutes. I was like, shit, this is much too slow. But in his world... <laughs> His mind is like, I was used to starting a download, waking up in the morning, realizing I still have to do the patch, go to work, or whatever, come home, and then hope it works. Oh, especially with MMOs. That's that's kind of the way things go. Yeah. So that's what we're um, trying to achieve now. And the cool stuff is that now any company, small or big, can try our tech for free and have a blast at it. Uh, there's a Russian company, a uh, small Russian developer. They made an MMO by themselves. I mean, of course, on the graphics level, etc., it cannot really compete, I think, with all the, you know, the huge productions that were built by, like, 200, 300 teams. But um, still, I think what they did with our technology, um, I gave you the link, is pretty awesome because uh, it's a pretty cool MMO. Especially if you think that it was built by, I believe, only six or seven people. Um, wow. And wow. these, uh, yeah, there's, there's a crazy good Russian programmer also, and they basically use our tech and uh, to make their one and a half gigabyte MMO playable in browser. And they're also going to use it to um, deploy it from desktop. Because for our, from our point of view, there's this crazy thing in the gaming world where Gamers think that as soon as something runs in a browser, the quality goes down. While the quality is identical, it's just the exact same game, but it's just, you know, how you boot it up. You can double-click on an icon on your desktop, or you can go to a website. Hmm. So, um, and that's the case for uh, a couple of the new games. Um, And another exciting thing is that most people don't know us yet, but... um, we're trying to, uh, or we're, uh, one of our clients is a Chinese client, um, and we're now trying to get our stuff live in China, which is a challenge in itself. We already have some experience there, and that is just a totally different world. 
So I'm now talking finally because we've been working really hard to get some attention in the U.S., but actually our, all of our customers in the beginning came from Asia because the whole free-to-play thing was something that wasn't that popular in the U.S. And over the next last, I think, 18 months, I think that has totally changed. I believe every, every big game developer in the U.S. now has a free-to-play project in its pipeline. How do you guys feel about that, by the way? I think it's interesting, and, and, and especially because you mentioned the stigma with browser games, that I think free-to-play has that same stigma going with it. So yeah. I, I actually had a two-part question. One, what is somebody, you know, outside of a browser, do, does somebody need anything else to run um, your stuff? And two, yeah. how do you approach breaking through that stigma to show people that, you know, you can actually have a real gaming experience that's not Farmville in your browser? Um, how do you walk through that stigma? Um, this is especially hard when you talk in the beginning when we talk to publishers. Right now, we just have live games, so we can say, "Look, this is a free this is be a 3.3 gigabyte clients. They now run it on Facebook. They now run it on Congregates. Uh, they run it on their own websites. Um, a different game they run uh, from a desktop." Um, so it's it's all about the showing. That's why I gave you the link. That game um, is basically because it all you know when you're sell, selling technology, it's it also depends on how good a job someone does at integrating it. I mean, Unreal was a great engine, but there has there have been some crappy games built with it. And it's the same when you sell technology. You just it's very important to push your clients basically to do the best job possible to get the best result possible. Um, of your technology, and I think right now the stigma is going down because um, we sometimes do market research on where the, the funny thing is we now have technology and a client that has both the desktop of our technology, so it's the same game, the same streaming, the same instant play, but one is from desktop, the other is from browser, and then they, over time, they did two questionnaires asking which of the two games do you like better and which do you feel it has the better quality? Um, initially, 70% of gamers said that the desktop version had a better quality. You have to imagine this is the exact same game. There's not a pixel different. Um, so there is this perception, but then like four or five months later, they did a, another questionnaire and it was already 50-50. So I think it's changing. But I think the, the proof is in the pudding. It's it's about it's about playing the game, um, and I still feel um, that the desktop experience always has this, or will for the remaining time have this thing because um, it's basically this area where you have a certain type of games. When you go to the web, you could have this top quality game. But there's also a lot of Farmville and, you know, all the mini clips, small, um, wasteful games, basically. The Internet has, bit, has a bit of a wasteful image. There's lots of bullshit on the Internet, let's face it. Um, yeah, and I think, I think that will never change. So in that respect, I always feel that some people will always have a sense, it's like with an Apple store, you know, it just feels more quality. Why? There's not much crap in an Apple store. I'm not an Apple fan, but 
you know, you can't say that it's all messy. And when you're on the web, things can be messy. And on your desktop, things there on your desktop, you put the stuff that you think is valuable enough to be, you know, to be there. I think. I think that is the main thing. I think that will remain uh, for the foreseeable future unless um, you have a more focused gaming portal like a Steam that just runs from your browser. Uh, then I think the whole perception will change. If it's an isolated game, I think the perception of lower quality will remain a bit. It will get, it will go down, but I, I, I think it will always be there a bit because of all the um, crap that you can find on the web, basically, and that you don't find on your desktop unless you have a very messy desktop. But hey. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I, I work on computers for a living, and I've seen some really messy desktops that put the Internet to shame. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's how I, how I feel about it. I mean, I'm also curious how you guys feel about, you know, do you guys play any MMOs or... Um, I, I personally don't. I'm not a big fan of... Massive multiplayer things. I'm more of a single player kind of guy. So yeah, our tech also works there. That's also starting to evolve. That's an interesting one. In the beginning, there was no, um, you know, all the DRM stuff and going insane to get into a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that area will also start to engage because you know I talked to other companies that also are now showing interest in providing instant play for single-player experiences as um, nobody likes to wait and sure, nobody sure. likes very complex DRM, I think. No. Yeah, I think, I mean, the um, Xbox One proved that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, with the policies they had and the way that people lashed out against it. Uh, one question that I had was... You know, I, I think when a lot of people think about cloud gaming, they start to get worried and start to get scared because, you know, if you have an Internet connection problem, uh, it drops or you've got lag, then yeah. uh, you're going to you lose your game. You're going to stop being able to play. Uh, how does that kind of factor into to playing games with Kaleido? Because it's obviously a different type of streaming technology. Yeah, so. I think that the, yeah, the, one of the hard parts of our technology is also, you know, we're downloading stuff while you're playing, and then you're playing a multiplayer game, which is real-time or Twitch-based. So we've devised some really cool technology to allow to, to ensure that your latency is unaffected, and we dynamically know your connection, basically. Um, and as I said, if you have a disconnect with our technology... Well, if you have a disconnect in a multiplayer game, you have a problem anyway. But sure. the difference with our technology is um, if you have a disconnect or a slight slower connection briefly with pixel streaming, basically you're fucked. Because every glitch there is, you will notice. Um, and with our technology, that's just not the case. Um, oh, wait. I'm looking at my battery life. <laughs> Of my laptop. <laughs> Sorry, this is an interrupt. No, no problem. problem. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at it gives the warning, and I sometimes it just goes black on me. Yeah, as I was saying, um, with our technology, latency is not an issue. Um, the frame rate of the game is also not affected, or it's affected in a way that you won't notice. It's like 
maybe 1% or something. Um, and the, uh, has no latency and the game performance just needs to remain the same. And we work very hard to make sure that happens. Um, and that's, it's all about maintaining a good gaming experience. Um, I have to admit that if your connection is really, really crappy, you will notice our technology. Um, but as I said, for people that have such a crappy connection, um, downloading that game uh, is a bitch, and um, it's only temporary. So basically, at the end of the day, if you've been playing the game for like two or three hours, you have the game on your hard drive, and everything is there. So then the game behaves exactly as it used to do. Um, so the risk of our tech even influencing it in the slightest way possible goes down. Um, so in that sense, yeah, there's no, there's no more downsides these days to using what we have. Okay, so uh, it's um, even when you're playing it on the browser, it's still downloading the entire yep. game to your hard drive? Yep. Okay, would would you still launch it through the browser at that point? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but we, what you can choose is we also have a feature where someone can say, hey, uh, uh, that's all up to our clients, of course, but they can have activate a feature that when you play the game for the first time, uh, that it says, hey, do you want a browser shortcut for this game? And what you then basically do, it's, it's a very simple feature, but basically then you double-click on it and it boots your browser, but it goes exactly to the URL where you can play the game. So basically, oh, it's almost, wow. and it's very simple, but it's, you have a nice logo, you know, it's really exactly the same, but it's very, it's a very streamlined experience, because it just says, hey, do you want this, and then you click OK. We don't have a client that uses it yet, but um, we usually, sometimes we just build features where we think, this is smart, it's not hard to build, let's provide them the option, and then... Um, there will always be a client that says, hey, this makes sense, because if you want to get more gamers to come back to your game, you really want to have this. Mm -hmm. so you want to so, yeah. lower the, the, the barrier to entry as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you, you talked about when playing a game uh, through Kaleido that you know, you've only got three clicks and it's only taken a couple of minutes. Um, yeah. what, what does it actually take for the you know, end user to access a game? Yeah. Do they if need to create an account with you, or yeah. how does that work? Uh, if you, uh, the, the game, the game the, the, our clients run independently, so they can, gain, they can play the game wherever our client decides to put it. Hmm. Um, and what happens if you go to a browser, we have a small plugin. Do you know Unity? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, we have a bit, a bit more, we spent a little bit more time on streamlining the installation. If you have Internet Explorer, it's one click. Uh, if you have the Java applet installed, it's also one click. Let me warn you, our technology is not based on Java. We just abuse Java uh, <laughs> to, 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 to reduce the number of clicks to install our plugin, and that's it. Gotcha. Um, and then there's a manual install. Um, and then, um, so that's three clicks. If you have the one click on your Internet Explorer or Java, then it's three clicks. Uh, if you have the manual install, I believe it's four clicks. And then if you do the um, desktop uh, installer, basically what people download is it says, do you want to play this game? You say yes. It downloads a 250-kilobyte thing, and then you boot up that thing, 
and you're playing within four or five clicks. I have to warn you, this includes the click that says register. <laughs> so this is register. It immediately gives you the thing. So the, the streamline for this is you get an ad saying cool, awesome multiplayer game. Play it now. You click on it. You immediately go to a site that initiates the download of the small launcher, and then it just gets an arrow down or something saying, boot up the launcher and have a blast, because we streamline it in such a way that as soon as you boot up the launcher, uh, you come into a registration form, or you can use Facebook Connect from your desktop. So that way, um, you don't have to do a lot anymore to get anything done. Uh, so basically, it's download 250 kilobytes, launch the thing, and uh, put in an email, username, passwords, uh, delay the game where I gave you the link to. They have the smoothest registration ever. You just put your email there, mm -hmm. and then you click, and then it engages. Wow. And then it sends you a password so that if you want to come back, you have a password and you can change it afterwards. Mm. So it's 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 a one one field form. I like it. It's even less work than Facebook Connect because then you still need to click, wait for the whole Facebook API to get all your data and send it to whoever they're sending it to. Mm -hmm. And then you click allow or say I want this because I know how much I hate being spammed by games that other people play. Um, yeah, there's just too many things that, you know, it's, there's not enough cohesion. Uh, it's cool to know what my friends play on Steam, but it's not cool that, that my grandma, I don't have a grandma anymore, but that my mom plays, I don't know, this crappy social game. I don't care. <laughs> Especially, I don't want to get the invite for, please support my uh, farm or something like that. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that, that's the streamlined experience. So that's how it looks like. Click and engage on an advertisement, and either three clicks later, you're inside the game, and it takes yeah, very little time and effort, and it's pretty secure as far as I know. Is there is there a price associated with using your service, or is it is it free to go yeah, and yeah, start we, doing Yeah, the, the, the big difference, for example, between us and the Gaikai is we've calculated Roughly that our stuff is 200 to 500 times less costly per user per month. Wow. Depending on the game. Um, and we, we're, we're just a, a, we're the only cloud gaming company that's actually opened up because it's been, there's been so much blah, blah, blah about this type of service that I think users are getting, uh, a bit wary of it. Um, because it either doesn't work or it sacrifices something. So it solves one problem. Yes, you're in the game immediately, but now you tune down the graphics. So you let me play faster at the cost of quality, and now we want to get the quality identical and um, to what it used to be with the game. Um, so our pricing is transparent. We're, we have a service model, which basically says, our developer or publisher that wants to use our tech pays X amount of money per month, fixed fee, and depending on that, they can deploy a number of games and they can deploy um, or 
they deploy everywhere, and they get access to a certain service level. Um, and then there's a very small fee per play session because there's still servers and infrastructure doing work, but it's just the least amount possible, basically, that's happening. So that's how our model works. It's basically, um, it looks a bit like Amazon. You have a fixed fee to get a server, and then you have some usage on the server, and you pay for that. And then you have a service level. That's how we work. So that's that's on the that's on the publisher end. That's not really on the that's not on the player end. The player's not seeing it. No, yet. the player doesn't notice it. No, for for consumers, we have no consumer facing. Uh, we have no consumer facing other than, uh, just like with Unreal, when you boot up a game that's Kaleido powered, you will see our logo. Gotcha. And we have a and we have a Facebook page, but that's it. We don't have a portal for Kaleido or something. Okay, so they're not actually so. Technically, they're using your stuff as kind of a package to get to the game. They're not using, like, yep. a Kaleido app or anything to get in there. It's all that's, That comes from the game itself. Yeah, we want to keep that um, open so that basically what we provide is a tool for a publisher and developer to get their game to as many gamers across as many countries as possible, as fast as possible, and as easy as possible. So we open up, you know, new markets for, for a game. We engage more players within a market. Because also within the United States, there's lots of players that, you know, they don't have a fat-ass connection. I mean, few people know it, but America doesn't rank high in the speeds of Internet. There's just a couple of hot spots where it's just insanely fast. But then, you know, there's a big part of the country that doesn't have that speed. Um, and we like to help those people as well. Because, you know, uh, people want to play games and you don't want to depend on the connection that you have too much. So I think that's, yeah, that's it. I think, but we don't, yeah, as I said, we do not face consumers. Uh, we just help uh, developers and publishers uh, make life for their players easier. Excellent. Very cool. yeah, that, that, that clears it up a lot. I, I know what's going on now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you thought we were uh, sort of a Steam-like uh, company. Yeah, I thought it was something like that. Especially, you know, because I saw like you had a lot of, uh, especially on the website part of my kit here. Yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, a lot of companies um, when we initially started said, "Why don't you start your own Steam?" And the the basic premise is that if we would start our own Steam, then um, we're a Dutch company. Basically, to start a Steam and do consumer-facing strategies, you need, like, deep, deep pockets for um, marketing, and you need insane amounts of content. I mean, if you want to build anything, but what actually our strategy is, we don't want to be Steam. We actually want to talk to Steam and say, hey, Steam, we've got this awesome technology that can help all your games. A Origin from EA, we have this awesome technology. It can help your gamers. So for us, it's more like being an underlying infrastructure layer. Sure. To yeah. enable the magic. Because otherwise, you know, you get all this fragmentation, and it's pretty hard. It's, it's a high risk, and I 
Um, I would love to get such a platform, you know, use our tech. I mean, that would be a game changer, I think. Absolutely. Gaming. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always happy when I can uh, pre-download a game and so that, you know, it's ready to go once the game launches, but it always just makes me so sad when I pre-order something on Steam. Midnight comes on, you know, Monday night, and I tell it to download, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm going to play this after I get home from work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's not, yeah, that's not our way of viewing at gaming, and I think the future is instant playability. Mm-hmm. That is the future. Yeah, for us it's now, but, you know, it, it takes time to convince big companies. That's also pretty funny. You think the gaming industry is very hip and very, you know, fast in that sense, but we started selling this technology to developer publishers in 2009 already, and we're talking to some now. I can't disclose, of course, but it, it, it sometimes takes like one or two years, and they, they wait very long to make decisions, so it's very... It's it's not many try to take a leap and say, let's have a crack at this. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty hard. But it's it's changing this year, I think. 2013, I can see that it's changing, because I know that all the companies are now like, we're going to do this, it's going to happen. Right. So that's a, that's a good thing. Absolutely. With the, with the, the advent of kind of next generation consoles coming up, um, and especially, you know, with PlayStation and Microsoft, they're all starting to talk about, you know, getting you into that game faster. Um, is your yeah. technology something that could be uh, the brought to the console space, um, or is yeah. this just simply PC? No, we could port this to console. We're also looking into the mobile space, because in mobile we're already seeing that it's even a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, absolutely. a 500-megabyte game is... They're they're gonna lose a lot of players because you just want to play that game. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we're looking into those two spaces, and I think with more of the indie stuff coming on on or indie uh, independent more, it's gonna be a more open infrastructure for the um, console space. So that brings up huge opportunities for companies such as us, but also for content. And the interesting part is that free-to-play is coming to consoles. It is coming. Um, And uh, many companies are announcing their titles. And with free-to-play comes more pressure on, you know, if you paid 60 bucks, you will wait. You know, you're not going to say, I paid 60 bucks and I'm not going to wait for the game to download because you're 60 bucks. If you have 60, if you don't pay anything, then it's like, you know, I talked to some journalists which specialize in, you know, free-to-play MMOs. And they basically say, if a game is really big, I really need to know up front that I think it's worthwhile trying. So what happens a lot is that some people, they don't even bother. Mm. So we, we only measure, to give you an idea of how many people they lose... On average, many MMOs lose between 50 to 70% of users after they register. So you register for playing a game, and you never end up playing it. Wow. And with our technology, that's reduced to only 20%. That's, that is, that's a big kind of ticket point when you want to sell your stuff to, to those companies. Yep. That's, that's a huge turnaround. Yep. 
Yeah, the hardest part about that part is making people believe that the difference is that big. <laughs> but we now have number. We now can share numbers to prove it. We have numbers to prove it, but you know, not every client wants us to share the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course, yeah. Because I mean, if you guys get access to those numbers, and that's that's you know that, that that's stuff that could go against their marketing or whatever they think that their their red tape needs to to kind of keep their image up. So, absolutely. But when you that's. That is a, that's a crazy percentage difference. That's that's mm-hmm. really nuts. Yep, we know. That's why. We're <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Why aren't you seeing this? <laughs> I want our strategy right now is we're a small company. Is we want just people like you or journalists just shouting to these publishers and developers like, I don't know all the solutions, but these collider guys are doing it. Do this and. Yeah. I, I mean, of course, I don't want the business to go to our competitors, but I'm like, guys, do this. It makes sense. Uh, makes honestly, um, you know, listening to you talk about this tech, there have been a couple of people that we've interviewed that I've been like, I need to send this link to these guys. They would find it awesome. <laughs> yep. So that's that's definitely cool. Yep. Totally agree. Oh. <laughs> All right, Brian. Do you think it's time for the uh, the end game? Yeah, I think we could do that. Um, we like cool. to we like to end our uh, end our interviews uh, with what we call the end game. It's it's kind of a more personal sided questionnaire as far okay. as uh, as your gaming habits and and kind of it gets a little darker from there. But uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead and we'll start it. It was originally called the lightning round. You'll find out very quickly uh, why that doesn't work. Um, okay. <laughs> so first question: um, What is your favorite color? Um, of magic card to build a deck from. Oh shit! I have multiple colors. Allowed? Okay. <laughs> um. Oh shit! I play. Right now I play Jones, so it's black, green, red. Oh, oh wow! You're going three. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's why I'm my favorite because I like play, to play all colors. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you find that works mana wise? No, no, not all at the same time, but change. Okay. From that. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's nuts. Keep your mind sharp, because on the other one, you have an aggressive strategy. The other strategy is more manipulative. And you need to be able to engage in both, because then you can both make decks that, that are strong strategies against both. It's like with multiplayer games, you know. You need to be able to play on, diff- on both sides of the fence to be a very good player, basically. Yep. You have to understand what your opponent's going to do or, or, yep. or what their what their mindset is. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's it. Second question: um, If you could see any game on your service, what would you like? Uh, what would you like players to be able to access? What game is my most favorite? I would like to see. Uh, oh shit! There's a number. Um, <laughs> uh, on the tip of my tongue. Ah. Um, uh, um, one of them is, oh man, I have a blackout. Let me type Google, uh, <laughs> what is the game? It, it just, they just got out of beta or into beta. It's a first, open world first person shooter. Um, ah, uh, not Destiny. Ah, oh, fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. Um, League of Legends is one that I would love to do. For mm-hmm. 
think that would be awesome. Um, I think uh, Aeon would be really cool. Uh, get, um, um, Guild, Guild Wars 2 and 1 would, would be really awesome. Um, uh, World of Tanks. Uh, and uh, I can't... I've been looking at this game... I didn't have time to play it yet. It's in my inbox. God damn me. <laughs> I hate oh, it, but it's right there. there. I, I can't. It's, it's tip, but no. That's all right. We'll keep going, yeah. and if you think of it, just yell it out. Yeah, Rift would be cool. Um, let's see. Um, there's a. I heard there's going to be a free-to-play game coming from Rome Total War, so that would be really awesome to get that on the platform. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, some of the really big titles on on uh, what is it called? Yeah, sorry, man. I, I my my mind keeps just focusing on the thing that I can't find. <laughs> you, you were talking to somebody who regularly runs into uh, train derailing ideas, so you're, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next okay. question. Uh, what yeah. is your least favorite video game trope? What do you think that, that video games do all the time that you'd like to see them not do? Can you repeat? Because I had a connection thingy. Uh, least favorite video game trope. My least favorite video game? Sure. Sure. Ooh. Yeah, the problem is I, I don't remember them quickly because I don't play them that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, least favorite video game? Uh, yeah, here's one. Duke Nukem Forever? Because mm. I was anticipated for the, anticipating that game, and I ended up never buying it or playing it Ever. Because it took so long when it came out, I saw the reviews. I'm like, I'm not gonna even spend a dime. I was gonna say, I think that I was gonna miss like the biggest disappointment ever. Sure. I remember when they started the project on the Unreal 2 engine or something, or Quake, no Quake 2 engine. Oh. This is scary. I don't know if you guys know, but they started the game on the Quake 2 engine. Oh, I believe it. I mean, it was in, it was in, you know, like production for 15 years. I think. You know, I'm yeah. lucky they just started the with, with, with a version of Unreal 3. So then it goes like there's three generations of game engines in between uh, um, them launching something. Yep. So that's a big disappointment. Yep. Uh, what do you think is the hardest thing uh, about working with cloud technology? Um, the hardest thing is... Um, that a lot of the industry has been selling silver bullets. So, like, here's the silver bullet, and now it all magically works. And then uh, some companies try to deploy that. It fails because silver bullets are very rare or they don't exist. Um, so that's the hard part of cloud gaming. And the other part is that when you talk about it, it's very easy. Even the other, I mean, it's not our cloud gaming, but... Um, with us, it's like slice the game in pieces, download the rest. You know, any moron can do that. And then it's like, no, because if, if that were true, why isn't every game running like this? Because everybody asks, what is, 
why is this cannot be hard? I'm like, I got a good question for you. Why isn't it happening all over the place? And the same goes for the other type of cloud gaming. It's like you just simply run a game on the server and send the images to the user. Yes, but doing that in a scalable, high-performance way is hard. Because we're not going to say, oh, we're going to build Gaikai and it's going to take us three months. No, it's, there's always details that you don't think of. And I think that's the hard part of cloud gaming because all the PR machines, and I think Gaikai did an awesome job at projecting that it all was working and everything was perfect because uh, Sony paid $380 million for that. But the fact of the matter is that we're now almost two years down the line, I think, yes, and... There's nothing live. So if it was something that was working and everything, you know, it's engaged, then something is amiss. And I think that's where uh, a lot of people, because I've talked to some other journalists, and when, when we, told, we talked to him, to him saying we're a different cloud gaming company, he immediately said, yeah, give me some numbers. I want reality because I've been writing about this stuff for two years, and, you know, up till now it's all been, yeah. A dream, basically. Um, so I think that's the hardest part about cloud gaming right now. Getting, yeah, it's, it's, there's a group of people that have become cynical, I think. Mm-hmm. Even though it is the future. And I think there's space for both versions, but it's just, uh, it needs to be used optimal. All right. All right, next question. If you had the chance to try any other profession, what would you like to try? What would you like to attempt? Any other profession? Any other. No, uh, no, no holds barred. Yeah, no holds barred. Um, actually, when I made the decision to start a company, my other choice was to become an architect. Hmm. Like real-life experiences, basically. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's it, I think. Okay. Okay. That's not bad at all. And finally, um, last question. Um, at the end of our life, when we come to the Mushroom Kingdom and Toad is looking yep. over the Book very of Our different. Deeds. Very well. different, yeah. Um, what would you like him to say to you? That I, uh, from a professional point of view, that I, 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 what I did, I made a difference in the gaming industry. And from a personal point of view, that you know, it's squishy, but you know, that I am um, on the list of people uh, that people admire and loved and got love from, basically. So to be loved and uh, give love to other people that you work with and that you live with. I think it's boring, but. That's it. There's, there's nothing wrong with Squishy Doki. Hmm? I said there's nothing wrong with Squishy. Okay, then I'm a Smushy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's it, man. You did it. Was the Jonathan, okay. so. Thanks. Thanks. Um, Joki, if you could just let listeners know where they can find out more about Kaleido and let us know some of the games that they can check out on that user service. Yep, I will send you an email then. Well, actually, I mean, if you could just tell us. Oh, right uh, now, it's yeah. Nights, it's Requiem, it's Order of Magic, um, it's Crazy Car 3, 
uh, yeah, War of Glory, but that's in China. The other titles are all in China or in Southeast Asia. That's cool. You, that's you don't have to tell them, tell all of them. Uh, just yeah. Those are a couple. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, glad you could take the time and uh, talk to us about, uh, I guess, to kind of, you know, dispel some of the fears of, of cloud gaming. And uh, I hope I hope all this stuff goes well for you. It sounds awesome. And I look forward to, you know, maybe one day I can start playing my Steam games five minutes after I bought them. <laughs> yeah. Two minutes, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks All right. for being here, Okay, no problem. And you guys, good luck with the website. <laughs>